Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. You're all looking so good this morning. Some of you just looked at the person next to you with that question mark like, really? <laughs> Tell somebody beside you that they're looking good this morning. Good. This morning, we are finishing our series, Great Love. We began with looking at God's great love, how far-reaching it is. Last week, we talked about laying down our lives to celebrate, defend, encourage our friends. If you weren't able to be here and you'd love to catch up on the messages that you're missing, they are now online, an audio version online at faithhalifax.org, so you don't need to miss a message at all. You can catch up there. It has been great taking the majority of the month of February, the month of love, and celebrating it, not just in the series, but also in the life of the church. A couple weeks ago, we celebrated your love for your church, 19 new members at Faith Tabernacle. That is love for your church. Last week, we celebrated with a couple of families bringing their children before God. God loves families and children, and we celebrated that love that he has by dedicating some children to God last week. Love. We write poetry about it, make movies about it, write books about it, sing songs about it. Boy, do we ever sing songs about it. Elvis saying, some good, some not so good, some about finding love, some about not finding love or losing love. Elvis saying, can't help falling in love. Bon Jovi, you give love a bad name. <laughs> Whitney Houston, and I am tempted to, but that's not going to be good for anybody. I will always love you. Alana Miles, love is what you want it to be. Maroon 5 saying, love somebody. Justin Bieber. <laughs> thought Nathan would yell from wherever he is at the moment. <laughs> Justin Bieber saying, love yourself. Every generation has its favorites. Some generations not so appreciative of other generations of love songs. But love, we are all born, I believe, with the desire to be loved and the capacity to give love. It's one of the biggest mysteries of humanity, one of the greatest gifts of God, and so important to get right in our world today. One day, I believe that we will do a seminar, either a family seminar, marriage seminar, relationship seminar of some kind, or a series. May, many of you may have heard of the concept of the five love languages. There are five different ways that most of us speak and receive love, hear that we are loved. Most of us have one or two of those ways that, that shine a little bit brighter than the rest. My, one of my primary love languages is words of affirmation. <laughs> he loves me. If I love somebody, I will encourage you. I will tell you that you're awesome. Um, I will use my words. And I know somebody loves me if they use words. Somebody has learned that already. So if you're silent today... If you are silent today while I'm speaking, I'm not going to feel the love if you love me. Can I hear an encouraging word every now and then as I speak? It's okay. It's okay to say yes, amen, preach it. There you go. Let's talk about love. It's a song I didn't mention. I'm not going there. Great love, greater love, and today the greatest of these is love. We're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'll invite you to stand with me. If you have a Bible, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
follow along. We stand to give honor to the word of God. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, but even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. God, as we take a few moments this morning and look into your word, I pray, God, that you would just open our eyes, open our hearts to learn to hear from you. God, I pray that it would be your words coming from me. Let my humanness just fall aside and let your spirit shine through. God, be in this place today. Help us to understand this concept that the greatest of these is love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. The last verse of that chapter says, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. In the message paraphrase, it says that that verse is translated as, but for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us towards that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of the three is love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 has long been known as the love chapter, often being quoted at weddings to encourage the bride and groom in their love for each other. Today, we're going to take a closer look at this scripture. Now, I've been taught that when I study scripture, I'm going to look at what comes before it and what comes after it, put it into context. So we're just going to do that a bit this morning. 1 Corinthians 12, the chapter before chapter 13, I guess... When we count, we know that. It talks about the spiritual gifts that God gives to us and how God fits us together as the church with each one of us bringing our gifts to make the body complete. And we're working together in unity. I love this. His gifts to us, people working in the strengths of their giftings, the church in unity. These are passions of mine. I get excited about these things. The last chapter of 1 Corinthians 
chapter 12, the last verse, I mean, verse 31, the Apostle Paul says to the church, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And then we get this chapter based on love. Followed immediately by verse 1 in chapter 14 that says, let love be your highest goal. So I, I love this. Paul is essentially saying in these three chapters, God has gifted you. It's for his cause, his church. But let me show you an even better way. Love. And let love be your highest goal. So many times in my own Christian walk, I've gotten bogged down by trying to figure out, well, what am I good at? What are my giftings? God, what, you, what do you want me to do for your kingdom? When really, in the simplest of terms, God is telling us in this scripture, yes, these things are good, but just love. Just love. That's the best. Let love be what you're reaching for. Jesus, when asked by the Pharisees about the most important commandment, he answered them, love. We see it in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 40. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love. Love God. Love people. Love God first, love people next. Love, the greatest of these is love. Now that we've established the importance of love, let's go back and take a closer look at our main text. I'm just going to break it down, um, not quite completely every verse, but some of the verses, verse by verse. So the first one, if I could speak of all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I was actually going to ask Matthew if he wanted to stay up there this morning. At this point, just beat on that symbol. And I think we would all get the point pretty quick that these things without love, speaking the languages of earth and of angels, but if we don't have love, that's going to get annoying really fast. The message paraphrase of this verse says, if I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but I don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. I believe that what Paul is saying here is, maybe I've conquered my fears about public speaking. Maybe, maybe I might be the most engaging speaker in the world. Yeah, oh well. That, that wasn't even true. We might feel even that God has given us a, a gift to speak or to teach or even a specific word for the church, which the Holy Spirit can do. But if we do not have a genuine love for the one that we speak for and those that we speak to, it's just noise. Love first. People know if you're speaking to them out of love or not. It's, it becomes very obvious, like that, that clanging of cymbals. Without love, it's nothing. Unfortunately, many of us may fall prey to the lie of the enemy, that the giftings that give us a microphone, maybe speaking, maybe singing, or being on the worship team, one of those things that maybe puts us on a platform, we can fall to the lie that that is one of the higher callings. 
But honestly, if you ask any of us on the pastoral team or any of those that lead in worship, having the responsibility for bringing the word of God or leading the congregation in worship to our almighty God, it's a very, um, trying to think of how to word it. It's, it's a very heavy mantle that we carry. It's a responsibility that we do not take lightly. I'm honored to be able to share with you today, but this is not something that it, it's like, ooh, yes, let's do this. Um, it's got to be out of love. It's too easy to get distracted by the praise, blinded by the lights, possessive of the position, sidetracked from the real purpose, which is love. It's got to be from love. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 says, The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. Paul is saying here, when he was writing to Timothy, that he was, what he was teaching was for the purpose that they would understand and have love. Without love, love for God, love for people. We're just making noise. The greatest of these is love. Let's keep going. Verse 2 says, if I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Prophecy, knowledge, faith, these are some of the gifts that, that were mentioned in the chapter before that Paul talked about in chapter 12, gifts from God. He goes on to say that not all of us have the same gift. I would even say that at any given time not any of us have all the gifts, he says that we should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Chapter 13 isn't telling us that we shouldn't seek the gifts of God or want the gifts of the Spirit, but that love is the greatest, that love is the most important. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11 says, It's the one and only Spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So yes, be open to the Holy Spirit. Be ready and willing to receive the gifts that God has for you because he does have gifts for each one of us. But let's work on getting this love thing right. Our love for God, our love for people. In chapter 13, 13 skipping down to verses 8 to 10, it explains why. It says, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love lasts forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, but even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. Love will last forever. The greatest of these is love. Let's keep going. Verse 3 says, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Giving, sacrificing, serving, these are all good things, all very scriptural, asked for us by God, effective in the body of Christ, necessary for us to reach the city around us. Unfortunately, we don't always get it right. For some... Giving financially is actually easy. Maybe you have an abundance and it's just, it's easy to give. Maybe material things aren't important to you. And you don't, it doesn't really matter whether you have very much. So you can find it easy to give that way because there's no hold uh, of material things on you. If you fall into either of those categories, it's wonderful 
and it's valuable. For some, serving is easy. Maybe you have spare time, and it's easy for you to say, oh, yeah, I can step up and come in for a few hours and help out with that event. Or, or yeah, like I, I, I've got time that I can commit each and every week to a team that I can help the church move forward. That's wonderful, and it's extremely valuable to the church. But for some of us, giving and serving isn't easy. It can be something that we feel like we have to do. Maybe we feel like that's how we can earn God's grace. Ouch. Or maybe we feel like we have to repay him for all that he's given to us. Maybe we feel indebted to him. Or maybe it's because we think that's what it's expected to do. Well, I'm, I'm part of the church, so I guess I have to sign up somewhere. So where, where can I do that? Maybe we're motivated by guilt. Either way, whether it's easy or difficult, the only motivation that's pleasing to God is when we give or we serve, we sacrifice out of love. Love for God, love for people. Give financially to God's house because you love him and you love his bride. Serve your church, serve your community because you love God and you love people. Hosea chapter 6 verse 6 says, I want, to show, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. God's saying that the love is more important to him. Yes, the the sacrifice is good. Yes, the serving, the giving, all of that is great. But this is God saying to his people, I want love more than I want any of that. Love is the greatest of all. Our giving, our serving, our sacrifice, without love, the scripture tells us we are nothing. The greatest is love. Last week when we were looking at greater love, I pulled out a few thoughts from the story of David and Jonathan and their friendship Greater love doesn't compete, it celebrates, it defends, it encourages. In the next part of chapter 13, Paul goes on to describe love even further. There's so much more about love. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. This passage can seem kind of self-explanatory. We read that through and we're like, oh yeah, I know what kind is. I know what patient is. I know what being rude is. Like, okay, and we just, we just skim over it. And even though these words aren't difficult to read, for me anyway, I don't know if anybody else feels the same way, they're difficult to actually live out. One thing that I noticed about this this passage is that it's words of action. This isn't about how we feel. It's not talking about love as an emotion. It's talking about love as an action. Let's pull out a few of these qualities of love. Love is patient. I am not not always anyway. I get so impatient about patience. Being patient means that we are willing to wait. Willing to wait. The Greek word that's used here is actually a verb. And if anybody can speak Greek, please come to me afterwards and correct my pronunciation. Makrothume. Makrothume is the Greek word. And in English, that actually translates to long heart. To long heart. 
I picture this as our hearts are stretching, our love is lasting and lasting, not rushing to completion. Has anybody ever made bread? Yeah? Lots of you. Wow. Lots of ambitious people. <laughs> when, when we were first starting our family, I was able to be a, a stay-at-home mom, and I had time on my hands, even though I had little ones. And I used to love to make homemade bread or, or homemade rolls, and they would turn out so wonderful most of the time. Nowadays, I'm a part-time pharmacy assistant, a part-time co-pastor, a part-time caregiver, a full-time wife, and a full-time mother. Something has to give, and so much of the time it's my patience. <laughs> now when I'm trying to make bread, I'm trying to squeeze it in between all the other obligations in life, which isn't the best in bread making. No. Because the patience part of baking bread is the letting it rise. And I have ended up with small, dense, hard loaves. <laughs> because I'm not loving the process and I'm not being patient. Love is patient. Long heart. Having a long heart. Love is kind. The dictionary defines kind as having or showing a friendly, generous, and considerate nature. When we think about loving God, loving others, are we being friends with, generous to, considerate of God, of others? Love is kind. Love is not jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. Now, I could easily just skip over this thinking, well, we just talked about kind and what that means, and these are kind of the opposite of kind, so let's just move on. But I think it goes a little bit further. These things, this jealousy, pride, bragging, rudeness, it all puts us above and others below. It points to me wanting to be first, to be better than. This is not love. Love puts God first, puts others next, puts ourselves after, last. Not because we aren't worth it. You got to hear me in this. this is, we don't put ourselves last because we aren't worth it. But because when we truly understand God's love for us, we can have a confidence that he takes care of us, that he will fight for us, that he has died for us, that his great love stretches so far for us that we can be so confident in his love that we don't need to worry about ourselves. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares for, to God, for he cares about you. We don't need to push ourselves to the forefront before God or before others, because when we've got it right, when love wins out, when love is the greatest of all, God We'll make sure that we are okay. The scripture says he will lift us up in honor. Love is not irritable. I'm not going to say much about this, but girls, doesn't matter what day it is. Love is not irritable. 
just going to leave that right there. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Now, this one is a little bit harder. Thankfully, we have the best example for this in the love of our Savior. Savior. Chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. I love that. God loves us so much that he no longer counts our sins against us. I am so thankful for that love, so amazing, so complete. This means that if we are loving, now not in love, not talking about that emotion, but if we are in action loving each other, we will wipe the slate clean. We will not keep score. Honestly, I think this is one of the hardest things in a marriage relationship, or it is for me, sorry. <laughs> One of the hardest things for me in a marriage relationship. We tend to keep a small checklist tucked away. We pull it out and we tick it off every time we get ticked off. <laughs> and we keep a list. And one day that page is full. I've got no more room to write down that grievance. And it's full. I can't take it anymore. And all of a sudden... That sock that was inside out in the laundry four months ago becomes a huge issue. It's a sock. But all of a sudden, everything is about the sock. <laughs> now, please note, this, is not, this scripture is not saying that we do not get wronged. We do get wronged. There are sins against us. It's the world that we lived in. It's not saying that it doesn't happen. It's not saying that we need to ignore it. It's saying we don't keep a record of it. That's a huge difference. For example, the inside-out sock. I never knew when we got married that there were going to be so many things that you adjust to in a relationship when you first start living together. Everyone talks about how wonderful it is. The Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. I wanted that honeymoon phase to last forever. But about a week after the wedding, laundry needed to be done. Now, I mean physical laundry. I don't mean like we were going to get in a fight or anything like that. Laundry actually needed to be done. And I found out that my husband, I, I do love you, dear. My husband takes his socks off from the top down. I pull mine off from the toe. I'm not saying there's a right way or a wrong way. Just when you take them off from the top down, they turn out inside out. So when I went to do laundry, I'm looking at these socks. He was a farmer at the time, so they'd been in barn boots all day. And I knew that if they stayed inside out, they were not going to come clean in that laundry. And I had a choice that I had to make. Because I really wanted him to have clean socks. We'd just been married, trying to show off for this, this new, my groom. But I also wanted them to be clean, and I was not going to reach inside that sock. I mean, at that point, my, my love, my, my patience, my long heart had not been stretched very far. Now, I could have started a list. I could have gone, okay, here's one. wonder what else is going to happen. 
because we all know that that's wrong, okay? If your socks are inside out, we all know that's wrong. I could have let it eat at me and brew inside of me until the list was full and it all came boiling out of me in a very ugly way. But I chose to not keep a record of wrongs. You know what I did? I didn't pretend that it didn't bother me because it did. I said, hey, Sonny. Hey, Sonny. Hey, honey. <laughs> hey, Sonny. He's older than I am, just so you know. Hey, honey. Can you put your dirty socks in the laundry just the right way out? Like, I just don't want to put my hands in them, but I really want them to come clean. Do you think you could do that? He was like, yeah, sure. And 24 years later, his socks are either the right way out or he does the laundry himself. <laughs> it's a win-win situation. Not keeping record of wrongs. There will be times that you are wronged way more seriously than a silly sock. I get that. But it's important to understand that love is the greatest. Love keeps no record of wrong. We've got to keep a clean slate and do it with a heart of love. A heart of love. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. Remember, these are not feelings. This is talking about the action word, love. Love chooses to never give up. Love chooses to not lose faith. Love chooses to always have hope. Love chooses to endure. Ultimately, these scriptures are the definition of God's great love for us. Listen to this portion of scripture if I say it this way. God is patient with us and kind to us. God does not demand his own way, but allows us free will to choose him and his ways. He's not irritable with us. He keeps no record of being wronged by us. God never gives up on us. He never loses faith in us. He's always hopeful for us. He endures with us through every circumstance. This is the greatest of example of love to follow. When it comes to loving him, loving people. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up at this point. Almost done. We will not be able to get this right each and every time. Sorry. I would even say that all of us have gotten this love thing wrong at some point. And I believe that all of us have probably had somebody who we thought loved us get this wrong when they're loving us. It's not about perfection. It's about being on the right path for the journey. Verse 11 in 1 Corinthians 13 said, When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Just as children grow and learn and then leave behind the childish things, we grow and learn in the area of love and leave behind the misconceptions that maybe we've had. 
as we learn and we gain understanding, we're to put away the wrong thinking, the wrong expectations that we place on others or on God. One day, we will see everything with perfect clarity, and we will know love completely. Until that day, I pray the way that Paul prayed over the church in Philippi. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, Paul says, I pray that your love would overflow more and more and that you would keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. I pray that our love would grow more and more. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Chapter 14, verse 1 says, Let love be your highest goal. Can I pray for you this morning? God, I thank you that you are love. God, I thank you that your love is perfect. I thank you, God, for the example that you set before us. God, of how you love us so completely, so perfectly. How we can love you, God. And God, by learning about your love, that we can love others in a lost and dying world. God, I pray for those that are here this morning who have tried love and maybe have made a mess of it. God, I pray that you would give wisdom, understanding. God, that you would open hearts and minds, that, that we would be willing to search you, to seek you, to seek understanding, Lord, about this perfect love. God, I pray, Lord, there, there may be those here. I can guarantee there are those here today who have been loved wrongly. Lord, that, that claims of love have been spoken to them, but it's not perfect love. God, I pray for healing in this place this morning. God, I just pray that your spirit, Lord, would just be a soothing balm over those, those injuries, Lord, those scars. God, that, that we wouldn't blame you Lord, for those wounds, because your love is perfect. God, that we would be willing, Lord, to take a look at love and let it be our highest goal. Lord, I thank you for your great love that reaches out no matter where we find ourselves. We are never too far for your love to reach. God, I thank you for a greater love, Lord, that you laid down your life for us and that we can lay down our lives for others. God, help us in that. Help us to love better. God, let love be our highest goal in this place today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.